Howdy, partners. You're listening to Conversations with Jacob, hosted by my good friend, Jacob Waller. Make sure to check out the podcast where podcasts are available and check out the video version on YouTube. You can follow us on social media. Facebook is Conversations with Jacob. Twitter is at CWJ Podcast. And you can visit our website, conversationswithjacobpodcast.weebly.com. Hey, you got a show idea? Maybe a guest suggestion? Email us at conversationswithjacob at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Jacob Waller. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Jacob. Um, today is episode number 20, and also it's my birthday week as of, uh, well, not if that's this recording, but it's, uh, but, but this goes up, uh, uh, I think it's July 24th, and so it'll be after my birthday. Um, but welcome back to another episode. Um, before we get started with today's topic, and we're talking brain glue. That's interesting. But anyways, before we get into our guest uh, this week, I want to tell you about our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash conversations with Jacob on YT. Uh, Twitter is CWJ Podcast. Our podcast and platforms include, uh, we're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, we're on Pandora. Sometimes we're on, uh, sometimes this podcast appears on YouTube. Not all episodes are on YouTube. So if you want to watch all 20 episodes, you have to go to iHeartRadio or Spotify or the other 20, uh, sites that we're on. If you want to buy our merchandise, we got hoodies, mugs, whatever you want. I and mean, we probably have it out there on, right there on our merch store. If you got a question, guest suggestion, who knows? Uh, you can email conversationswithjacob at gmail.com. Our website is conversationswithjacobpodcast.weebly.com. Next week, July 31st, I'm talking with my good friend, Mr. Stanley Premith, who survived 9-11. He was on the 81st floor, and he came eye to eye with the plane. Well, uh, I think it was Flight 175. Oh, and by the way, before we get to our guest, who is James Bond, um, um, oh, did you listen to the intro to this podcast? And that was done by my good friend, Mr. Jake Thorne, which you have to listen to the podcast version for that. So with, with, uh, with, with no further ado, please welcome my guest, uh, James Bond. James, welcome. Thanks, Jacob. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Now, uh, just to be clear, would you, I would, you, just to be clear, and you're not, the actor James Bond, right? <laughs> no, I wish I was. <laughs> yeah. the women would be lining up. The cards would be outside. I'd be doing great. <laughs> there you go. All right, James. I guess to get started, can you tell uh, the viewers? Uh, was I guess I guess a little background about who you are. Sure. I live in Southern California. I've been here for about thirty-four years. We named our middle daughter. We gave her the initials L.A. <laughs> so we'd know. Hey, how how old's Lauren? Okay, that's how long we've been here. So Lauren, actually, her middle name is Asia, A-J-A. And so two years ago, she asked me, like, how come you gave me the name Asia? And Because it's such a cool name. Everybody likes it. I think it's really cool. And I said, well, it's because of the Steely Dan album, Asia, and they have the song Asia. So she calls me back in about a half an hour, and she says, 
that's terrible, that song. I'm like, sorry. She likes it now. She's listened to it a few times. But it's like, uh. But anyway, so we've been living in Southern California. I'm uh, For 13 years, I ran one of Southern California's leading behavioral management firms, working with a who's who of American business. So that was fun. But I'm originally from Montreal. And uh, I ran an advertising agency in Montreal. Uh, worked our way up and eventually won clients like Kraft Foods, Timex, Avon, Abbott Laboratories, Seagram's, their world headquarters is there, you know, the booze company. And, um, so I was thought I was doing really well. And then I had an opportunity to win the anti, to win the anti-drug campaign in America, uh, with powerful logical reasons why you should not do drugs. And then I saw what the ad that beat us and I was terrified. It was the, you know, a guy holding an egg saying, this is your brain cracks the shell and drops the egg into a sizzling frying pan. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? So I stood next to the TV watching the ad. I realized, you know, I was almost paralyzed. I'm supposed to be this marketing whiz kid, this advertising whiz kid, but this was emotional selling, emotional selling, not logic. I'm used to logic. It was emotional selling. It was more powerful than anything I knew how to do. And it just terrified me. And so I started, uh, you know, so I decided, uh, to write on a three by five card, your brain on drugs. So I remember, you know, the ad because I knew it was really powerful and I had to figure out how to do that. And so what I did was I, I created this passion box. I put a box next to my computer or my desk. And every time I saw something, uh, I saw a great ad or heard something that was emotionally powerful, I'd drop it into the box, hoping that eventually I'd learn enough about, uh, you know, I have enough examples of, uh, emotional selling that I'd be able to figure out how to create emotional selling for myself and for my students. I do a lot of stuff with the U.S. Small Business Administration. And uh, eventually, John, I was at a conference when I was in California, when we moved to California with uh, John Gray. And John Gray was telling me he wrote this incredible book, fabulous book, one of the best relationship books ever. And it was called Men, Women, and Relationships. But it only sold a few thousand copies. With books, that's not a lot. And so he's telling me how he got this crazy idea to change the title to Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, you know, and he, uh, you know, he, he tweaked some of the text so that it was consistent with the title. And guess what happened? Almost overnight, a you know, book went from almost selling nothing to half a million copies, then a million, then two million, then five million. You know how many books he sold? I was talking to in my book. I say he sold 10 million copies. I know one of the marketers that helps him and he says, no, he didn't. We've got over 50 million books sold already. 50 million just because he changed the title. And suddenly I realized like, wow, this is powerful. So when I got home, um, you know, so I realized uh, I wrote on a three by five card, your uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, uh, you know, to remind me of the book. And then I realized this is a metaphor. John Gray used a metaphor because men are, we're not really from a different planet. All you ladies out there, God's guys are not from a different planet. Because I don't think we are. But I realized that, you know, um, metaphors suddenly i started thinking are metaphors the secret to emotional selling or at least one of the secrets so when i got home i dumped the passion box on the bed and i started i, I suddenly discovered that there are 14 brain triggers and meta, and metaphors is just one of 14 brain triggers and i thought my brain was going to explode i started to realize that you know this is your brain on drugs that ad that's a metaphor you know i mean basically the guys must have been sitting around and saying okay when we take drugs, what happens? Well, it fries our brain. Okay, what else gets fried? Eggs. Let's show an egg frying, you know, into a sizzling frying pan and just say, 
this is your frying brain on their sizzling brain on drugs. And I started to realize I could put these things together and suddenly, you know, sales, you know, it, it just suddenly it all fit together. And I had clients. And so I started applying it to with some of my clients and they started making more money than they ever made. I had these three guys uh, who built a, a, a construction company who after 10 years, they had two million of sales, which is not bad. Two million of sales. In one year, I took them to 10 million of sales and then they went to 32 million of sales two years later. All because of this little tweak I changed for them. Okay. In fact, I remember when I got into one year from two to 10 million in sales, they razzed me because they said, Hey, Bond, it's supposed to be 12 million. Our goal was 12 million. I said, Shut up. Okay. <laughs> I mean, these guys, they bought each other the largest brand new BMWs. You know, I mean, they were just having a great time. They couldn't believe how much money it was rolling in. And so the way I got them to do it was I said, I pulled out a whiteboard and I said, so let's take a look at all the different types of clients you go after, okay? And they said, okay. It took a while. It took about an hour. We came up with this. Oh, how about this? How about that? And they started coming up with more and more and more. And I said, okay, we're going to play a game now. Let's get you, we're going to, let's get you choosing one, just one of these that you're going to go after and you're going to say no to, bye bye to everybody else. They said, well, we don't want to say bye to everybody else because, you know, when people come in and they want construction, you know, a new house built or, you know, or a, a, something in the backyard built or a series of homes built or whatever. We don't want to say no. I said, I got that. But we're going to play this game. Choose one of these that you're going to go after where you would just really focus on that. Well, they had done work for two different insurance companies for they call it fire restoration for insurance companies, which is basically means every time you have a client that has a fire, you know, you have to get it fixed. So either they, the first thing they check is, is the frame damage. If the frame is damaged, then you got to tear down the whole house. But if it isn't, then you could just put, put it up, make sure it's not going to catch fire again and, you know, get rid of the smell and stuff like that. And they said, yeah, we'd like to, I guess if we were going to focus on just one, we would focus on fire restoration for insurance companies. We kind of figured stuff out and it would be full, cool. And there are a lot of insurance companies that use this. And so I said, okay, so then let's use brain glue now. Let's come up with, um, you know, when somebody, when one of your clients who's an insurance guy is suddenly has a client, the first thing they're thinking of is fire, right? Because my client had a fire. So let's come up, let's call you guys the fire extinguisher for insurance companies. And they went, yeah, man, that's kind of funny. I said, yeah, we'll get the website firex.com, okay? And so when you go with the clients, your your insurance companies say, hey, we're the fire extinguisher for you guys. Every time you guys have a client that has a fire, call us. We're the fire extinguisher. And literally, they were having fun when they did this. They were laughing. And the clients would laugh, too, the prospects. And they started making so much money and signing up so many insurance companies that they literally went from $2 million after 10 years. In one year, they went to $10 million, And then two years later, to $32 million. And it's only because they suddenly went like, this is easy. You know, you tell a joke to the guy and suddenly they're going to buy from you. That's what we always say, you know, you know, laughers are buyers, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, uh, now, can you explain what brain glue is? Yeah. Brain glue makes your ideas sticky. So they stick to the brain like glue. Okay. There are certain things like I'll say Jack and Joe went up the hill to what? For a lot of us, we know it's to fetch a pail of water, okay? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, little Bo Peep, okay? So these are things that 
with most of us, the last time we heard this was 10, 20, maybe 50 years ago, and yet we still remember it like it like it was yesterday. And the reason is because it sticks to the brain like glue. There are certain patterns that stick to the brain like glue. And by the way, and that's why I call it brain glue, because I uncovered these 14 patterns. And so, by the way, uh, rhyme, which is a pattern also, which is a pattern, you know, uh, Jack and Joe went up the hill, works in uh, a courtroom, you know. Um, Johnny Cochran got O.J. Simpson freed from an almost certain guilty verdict in a murder in his murder trial with a poem. If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. OK, along with O.J. pretending that the murderer's glove didn't fit him. And I remember hearing uh, two of the jurors afterwards being asked, you know, with all the evidence against O.J., how come you let him go free? And their answer, we knew if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. The glove didn't fit, so we had to acquit. I mean, that's how powerful it is, is that, you know, when you understand these patterns, how they work in the brain, you can actually use them to trigger stuff to sell more products. In fact, it doesn't just sell products. This woman comes up to me and says, okay, you are an expert in brain glue. Can you help me with my 14-year-old kid? I'm like, uh, okay, what? <laughs> you know, she says, my son is asking, mommy, why do we have to follow so many rules in life? Okay, so we came up with a rhyme and a metaphor. And so first, what rhymes with rules? Why do we have to follow so many rules in life? So what rhymes with rules? How about fools? Only fools don't follow rules. So that could work, but let's add a metaphor to make it even stronger. So the mom and I brainstormed and bounced ideas off each other, and then we got one. And so I sat down with her and her son, and I said, so you were asking your mom why we have to follow so many rules in life, right? And he said, yeah. I said, well, think about it. When you're thirsty, you could drink out of the toilet. But why would you want to? Remember, only fools don't follow rules. His response, hmm, that makes sense. First, getting a 14-year-old to say anything makes sense is a miracle. So I <laughs> escaped before he asked me anything else. But does it really make sense or did I just trigger parts of their brain so it felt like it makes sense? So there are two um, political phrases, okay? Uh, you can't hug a child with nuclear arms, Okay. Or how about this one? Comedians say this is the right to bear arms is almost as crazy as the right to arm bears. I mean, both these are ridiculous from a logical standpoint, but from a, but they resonate because they trigger the emotion centers of the brain. That's why I'm telling you, the more people start to understand how powerful emotional selling is, emotional selling, not logical because we know logic, but emotional selling, they, they changes the way they start running their ads and trying to sell their ideas. Uh, forever. It's just really powerful. Now, and how does brain glue can, you know, you know, and oh, how does brain glue differ from traditional emotional, uh, 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 from the traditional emotion setting techniques? Well, because it focuses on patterns. The brain has patterns. And so there's something called redintegration, which is not reintegration, but redintegration. It's the brain's need for completion. So if we watch a crappy movie, we tend to watch it because, you know, I, like I went into the living room. My wife is watching a TV show. I said, hey, is this any good? And she said, no, it's stupid. So I said, why are you watching it? She said, oh, because I want to see how it turns out. Okay. Welcome to the club, right? And so what's the most powerful tool of human in interaction that exists? I'm using it now, aren't I? Can you tell what I'm doing? I'm asking questions, aren't I? Questions are powerful because when we hear a question, we want to answer it. It's a pattern that's wired into our brain. So when we can come up with a question that's really powerful, uh, then it's, you know, 
it just it it activates the brain so the brain wants an answer and it drives us nuts if there isn't an answer and so there's that's um that's redintegration redintegration likes uh pat it likes symmetry so it, my wife it drives her nuts when she sees a guy on TV and one of his uh, he's got a lazy eye if you cover up half his face face he looks like one guy took up to cover the other half he looks totally different and that drives her nuts because that's asymmetry. Well, a lot of people don't know this about Marilyn Monroe. So Marilyn Monroe used this, okay, asymmetry, and the way she and it helped her become famous. So first, um, you know, she was Norma Jean, but I think it was her manager that said Marilyn is a better name. And her uh, stepdad, I'm pretty sure it was her stepdad, was named Monroe. So she came up with Marilyn Monroe, which uses alliteration, the repetition of sound, ru, 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 like Rocky Road ice cream, stuff like that, okay? Like a Coca-Cola, babe, you know, Best Buy, you know? So um, so uh, she came up with the name Marilyn Monroe. Then she loved Jean Harlow, who was, in, uh, you know, in the early days of the movie, she was really famous, super famous. And so Jean Harlow had platinum blonde hair. So Marilyn Monroe went to the same hairdresser that that Jean Harlow went to and had her hair colored the same color as Jean Harlow. So she looked a lot, you know, very similar, uh, had similarity to Jean Harlow. But Marilyn has a beauty mark on her face, on her left cheek. So she covered it up <clears throat> with makeup. But one day she's sitting and looking at Jean Harlow, photographs of Jean Harlow, and she sees Jean Harlow has a, a beauty mark. Sometimes it's on her face and sometimes it's on her chin. And then she goes, wait a second, I bet she doesn't even have a beauty mark. I bet she's just putting a dot on her face to bring attention to herself. And and Marilyn Monroe believed that a large part of her becoming super famous was because of the dot that was on her face, the beauty mark. So uh, Cindy Crawford, who's a supermodel, when she was a baby, she has, uh, when she was a young kid, she had a big birthmark over her left, uh, uh, you know, her left lip. And she begged her mom, please get it removed. Take me to the doctor and get it removed. Now she says that she's so glad her mom didn't get it removed because she believes it's a large, has a large, a lot to do with why she became a supermodel because the dot on her face or the beauty mark on her face, you know, makes you look at the face and just the attention to it. What made me think of it was there was this early advertiser named David Ogilvy and David Ogilvy did ads for Hathaway shirts. Uh, and Hathaway became a blockbuster. In fact, Warren Buffett ended up buying Hathaway. His company is named uh, Berkshire Hathaway. <laughs> but uh, before they were famous, so David Ogilvy created ads for Hathaway shirts that went in magazines. So if you're doing an ad for a, a guy, a shirt company, what would you do? You have a good-looking guy wearing one of the shirts and a nice pair of pants in a nice background. Looks like every other shirt ad, right? So what David Ogilvy did was he put an eye patch on the guy. <laughs> You know, the guy wasn't a pirate, but he put eye patches on the guy and they had different models and they all had the eye patch on them. And he said, the man with the Hathaway shirt, they would never explain why the guy has an eye patch. But people would look at it. You flip through a magazine and you go like, well, look at this guy with an eye patch on. What's that all about? They start reading the ad and all that stuff. And that helped Hathaway shirts become a blockbuster of success. So, yes, yeah, the brain's patterns. And when you understand the patterns, it just suddenly you can use the patterns to make a lot of money to become massively wealthy. Now, and how did you come up with the term brain glue? Because it sticks to the brain like glue. Thank you, yeah. Um, now you, um. By the way, people ask why brain glue? Because plain glue doesn't stick to the brain. <laughs> true, yeah. 
naysayed that brain glue makes your idea sticky. Now, and what do you mean by sticky? It means that you can't forget them. It does two things. The first thing it does is it makes it easy to remember, but it also triggers the parts of the brain that make people want to buy. There's these these two guys. There's uh, Harvard professor uh, Gerald Zaltman and Nobel Prize winning psychologist Daniel Kahneman. And they both uh, showed how um, buying decisions are emotionally triggered. They, they trigger, if you trigger the emotion side of the brain, it makes it easier to get someone to buy. And so what happens is um, um, if you're trying to sell an idea or product and you, you, you can trigger different parts of the brain at the same time, you have a better chance of getting it to say yes to your idea or buy your product. And so, yeah, that's why brain glue is like so powerful because of that. All right. Now, how the science behind why some things, uh, you know, I guess kind of, you know, kind of stays in our memory. I, I, why are certain memories are more likely to stick than others? Because they follow a pattern. It's, it's interesting. Uh, do you remember um, the Got Milk campaign? Yeah. Okay. And a lot of people think, wow, Got Milk was really fabulous. No, from a marketing standpoint, it sucked. And I'll tell you why it sucked, okay? I have an article from uh, Business Week magazine from about uh, 10 years ago, and it says, got milked after 10 years, uh, after a $385 million campaign. $385 million, that's more money than I got. After a $385 million campaign, st- sales still continue to decline. And the reason is because, you know, why do people not drink milk? You know, they used to drink, everybody used to drink milk. They used to be delivered to your doorstep. Uh, in the early days, but not anymore. And it's because a lot of people, there are problems. One of the biggest problems is a lot of people have um, lactose intolerance. You know, they drink milk and it makes them feel sick. And so if you have lactose intolerance and I said, got milk, they'd go, yeah, that's a cool campaign. You know, I've got a poster that says got milk or maybe milk mustache. Remember the milk mustache ones? But I'm not going to drink milk because I still, you know, it makes me sick. And so if they said something like, you know, Milk muscled, okay? I mean, your muscles are stronger because there are certain ingredients that are certain hormones and enzymes inside milk that you don't get in any other product that actually make your muscles stronger. So if you want to be stronger and you buy milk, then it's going to help you. Then now, now at least you're giving people a reason why they should drink milk. But gut milk doesn't, you know, we because they spent so much money, it was everywhere. We thought, wow, that's really cool. And they got famous people like all these actors with the milk mustache. My kids had one. Uh, one of the posters on their, on one of my kids' walls was the milk mustache. I forget who it was, but somebody fa- somebody famous. But yeah, it just it gets your attention, but it doesn't sell. And that's why what you want is you want something that sells. I guess people actually want to buy your product, you know, or your idea. Now, and what are some techniques for creating memorable and persuasive messages? So let me go take you through some of the brain glue tools because the brain glue tools are really powerful. Like the mom, okay? So the first thing you want to do is you want to set expectation. You know, a lot of people don't realize that um, 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 Mar- um, uh, Muhammad Ali, okay? I am the greatest. That was his line, okay? Well, why did he say that? He actually said it for two reasons. The first reason was he wanted to scare the hell out of his, you know, who was fighting, okay? I am the greatest. But the second thing is he said the person who had the greatest impact on is me. Because if I'm telling the public, if I'm telling the world I am the greatest, then I better be the greatest. Because if I'm not, the people are going to start laughing at me and think I'm an idiot. Michael Jackson was the king of pop, 
Okay. So he would actually, they would promote him that when you call him, talk to him, when you, when you have him interviewed or whatever else you want to talk about him, talk about him and say he's the king of pop. That helps to build, you know, the expectation up front. Um, um, uh, the Barnum and Bailey Circus, P.P. Barnum used to call, he started the Barnum and Bailey Circus, which is the first real circus in America, in the world, I guess, but in America. And he's, he called it the greatest show on earth. You think it helped that people would say, Barnum and Bailey Circus, the greatest show on earth. You think it helped people want to come to see it? Yeah. I remember one of the first Superman movies. And, uh, they were fantastic. And it said their, their catch line was, you will believe a man can fly. <clears throat> and it was one of the first, uh, movies to actually have, uh, industrial light and magic that made all the, you know, all the, all the, you know, blockbuster, uh, stuff that we see right now of, uh, you know, uh, um, Star Wars and all this other stuff, okay? And they they showed a man flying, and he looked like it was the first time you saw on a video that a guy was actually flying. It looked like he was really flying. And so they their movie, uh, they set the expectation by saying, you will believe a man can fly. In illness, there's an illness called iatrogenic. Iatrogenic is when you start showing the symptoms of the of the illness that your doctor tells you you got. There's a famous story of a guy and they mixed up the files. And so this doctor told this guy that he's got AIDS. And he started explaining what's going to happen. You're going to start losing weight. You're going to start – all these things are going to happen. And over the next two months, the guy started showing the symptoms as if he had AIDS. And then they finally discovered they had the wrong files they were looking at. And they went back and they told the guy, no, no, you don't have AIDS and everything else. But just the fact that the doctor tells you you're sick. If the doctor tells you you're sick, you got this illness and, you know, you got three months to live. It's like your whole life changes. You start, you know, getting this. So they have this term that they call iatrogenic, which is, you know, it sounds like it's really a scientific thing and everything else. No, that's a doctor's telling you, you know, that your your client, your patient has iatrogenic illness. What they're basically saying is you told him what he's got. Now he's showing the symptoms. So, uh, so um, you know, uh, setting the right expectation is really powerful up front. If I'm talking to somebody, I'm going to talk about something that I know is going to might piss you off first. <laughs> I'm going to say, hey, look, I'm going to tell you this thing. It's going to start to piss you off, but give me a chance to make the whole thing. And then I think that you're going to get what I'm trying to say and how it can, this could be really powerful. Now, when I tell you this thing, if it, you get pissed off, you're at least going to give me a chance. You're going to hold back a little bit. and uh, Or there's a better chance you'll hold back a little bit. You know, so it's stuff like that. All right. Now, you have a background, him, uh, uh, you have a background, him, Behavior uh, management. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, behavioral management is focusing on getting people to change their behaviors. We're creatures of habit. You know, we do what we always do. But even Einstein said, if you do what you always do, you get what you always got. So a lot of people want to change their ability to tackle stuff, you know. And so uh, we would actually, when um, Warren Buffett went on his way to becoming the world's richest man, he started buying companies instead of just – he was an investor. But he said, you know what? Forget investing. I'm going to buy this whole company. He bought C's Candy, okay? He loves C's Candy. So he figured, let me own the thing, you know? But he ended up buying banks, and he bought Mutual Savings Bank in Pasadena, um, California. And one of the problems he had was all the managers – they had no salesmen, and all the managers hated selling. So they brought me in to – change the brains of the managers so that they would actually love selling. They turned into the top salesperson. They were salespeople. They were loving selling and they became blockbusters of sell, of sales 
all because I got to change the behavior of them. And so what I do often is I'll say, you know, we want to tack- get you to tackle stuff slightly outside your comfort zone. Well, if we can take a company and take all the senior people and get them to tackle something even a little outside their comfort zone, suddenly the company's sales will explode like crazy. And so I used, uh, you know, powerful uh, behavioral management tools to get uh, people to tackle stuff bigger than they would normally tackle on their own. And the results was we had like tremendous, you know, for tremendous success with tons of company. And that what got me into brain glue, by the way, because I'm fascinated by, you know, how do you get people how can you say something and get people to take action? Like buy your product. How oh, would that be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if I can say something and suddenly a gazillion people are going to come to my podcast? I mean, there's a lady. Okay, this is this is a I think a really a powerful story. So the stay-at-home mom uh, created a Facebook page, and she wanted a ton of pe- a ton of moms and other people to be engaged with her to become you know, and but she didn't have money to spend on advertising, so she was thinking. Okay, what does mommy need? Mommy needs time to herself. Mommy needs a rest. I know what mommy needs. Mommy needs vodka. Okay? <laughs> she came up with the Facebook page, Mommy Needs Vodka, without spending a nickel. You know how many people are her fans? More than 5 million people. Wow. All because of Mommy Needs Vodka. Now, how do I know about Mommy Needs Vodka? I The first time I saw it, I was like, I was looking at a post, and it was really a funny post. You know, it's pretty funny. But then I saw it's from Mommy Needs Vodka. <laughs> so I said, that's pretty cool. I clicked on that, and she's got really fun posts on her on her uh, Facebook page. And I said, oh, i got to be a fan. I became a fan, which is how 5 million people became fans, just because it was a cool enough name that people wanted to connect with her. Mommy Needs Vodka. It's a great page, by the way. She's hilarious. Now, um, now going back to Brain Glue, and what kind of people uh, – like, you know, what kind of people like maybe presidents or comedians that use this brain glue? So, um, so of all the brain glue tools, I'll give you one. It's called, um, chiasmus. Okay. I mean, it's the opposite of rhyme. Rhyme is like A, B, A, B. Chiasmus is A, B, B, A. And it works this way. Okay. Let me give you some examples. All right. Um, winners never quit and quitters never win. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Okay. President John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country will do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Okay. He also said, mankind must put an, uh, put an end to war or war will put an end to mankind. See how it flips? Oh, yeah. So Mal- uh, uh, civil rights activist Malcolm X said, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. The rock landed on us. Okay. It's like, oh, he also said, when you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Okay. Comedians use uh, it all the time. You know, I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. Okay. How about Mae West, who was an early uh, in the early days of the movie industry? She was hilarious. She said, "It's better to be looked over than overlooked for a woman." Okay. <laughs> uh, women like a man with a past, but they prefer a man with a present. You know, show up with a present. <laughs> okay. She said, "Women go when women go wrong, men go right after them." Then she said. Uh, Good girls go to heaven. Bad girls go everywhere. And one of my favorites, hopefully I'm not crossing a line with you and your audience here. Right, is, a hard man is good to find. Okay. <laughs> it's hilarious. A lot of comedians love uh, chiasmus because, you know, you flip it. My wife hated the song, the, uh, the song from Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Is, is, 
you know, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. She said, I hate that song. I don't want you following that, you know. But it's just, you know, those tools like chiasmus works really well. And so a lot of famous people, um, so I was talking about um, analogies, right, and metaphors. And so Warren Buffett is really famous. I love this line. He said, only when the tide goes out do you discover who's been swimming naked. Okay? What he's basically saying is, only when times get tough do you realize who's really good at fixing problems. But if he says that, it kind of goes in one and out the other. You go like, oh, okay, fine. But no, when he says only when the tide goes out do you discover who's been swimming naked, <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> but it also sticks to the brain. Sure does. Now, um, can you tell us about your book and how the book came about? So, yeah, it was just um, – um, when I when I started discovering, as I was saying, John Gray's Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, that got me to start putting together all these, uh, you know, brain glue tools. I didn't call it brain glue back then. I didn't understand what it was. But when I dumped the, the passion box on my bed and I saw all the tools, I recognized these are, you know, it makes it sticks to your brain like glue. And so I called it brain glue. And then from that point forward, I wrote the book. First, I did because I do a lot of workshops for the small business, U.S. Small Business Administration. You know, I'll have sometimes as few as 12 people and sometimes as many as 300 people in my uh, my classes. And uh, I started sharing that with people and it just blew their minds. Also, I I had clients, like I was saying, the construction guys and I had other ones, too, that I would sit and apply brain glue and their sales would explode. You know, I mean, it's just amazing. I found this secret to becoming rich in business, and it's blowing people's minds. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, my goal is to try to create a million millionaires, that people, you know, listen to this, apply the tools, and uh, and then maybe share with me the successes they're having. In fact, I had John Gray, uh, who did uh, – sorry, um, uh, Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. Now, Chicken Soup for the Soul sold 500 million books. Okay, wow. can you imagine? He wrote, he sold 100 million chicken soup for the soul and 400 million other chicken soup in a series, chicken soup for a teenage soul, chicken soup for a cancer survivor soul, and everything. 500 million is half a billion books. It's amazing. Well, he yeah. read my book. He started reading it and it blew his mind. He got pissed at me. I'm, I said, like, I'm sorry. He said, no, I got so many books to read. I picked up your book and I couldn't put the damn thing down. I said, I'm sorry. And so he said, no, it's just, I, I mean, this is amazing. I'm forcing everybody in my company to read this. I'm buying copies for everybody in my company because people have to know this. If you sell anything or if you're trying to persuade anybody and you don't know brain glue, you have a massive disadvantage. You know, so and he told me, you know, I said, can I use it as a testimonial? And he said, absolutely. You know, you know, brain glue is just, you know, this needs to be a required reading in schools and anyone who's in business or an entrepreneur. You know, if they don't know brain glue, they're missing something because you, you know, when you change the title, you control the title. So it triggers the parts of the brain that get people wanting to buy. People, more people start buying from you. I mean, I'll go back to that woman with uh, mommy needs vodka. You know what I mean? She didn't even spend a nickel. She just started posting a few things. How many people post things? And you're lucky if you get 10, 50, maybe 100 people. She got 5 million people because she had this powerful brain glue trigger. Now, she didn't get it from me, but she's, you know, it's brain glue. She recognized you know, if I could have something that really pops off the, you know, pops off the page, then people are going to go like, whoa. It's like, uh, um, Kurt Cobain write the, wrote the song, Smells Like Teen Spirit. 
Ew, what does Teen Spirit smell like? Is that like a locker room? But no, but that song, it's a fabulous song. I love that song. But do you think it helps the fact that it's called Smells Like Teen Spirit? Yeah, people are going to remember it. It really stands out from the crowd. I mean, it's just amazing. Now, uh, now when people get uh, your book, uh, what can they expect from your, from your book that they couldn't get anywhere else? Brain glue! <laughs> It's going to start triggering it. That's one of the funnest things about this. And people said it's really fun in, in the book. I don't want to tell you. I don't want to spoil this. But it starts on page two. It says, my four-year-old daughter didn't want to have sex with the boy next door. And people read that and they go like, what? And they start reading and they go like, wow. And it really blows your mind when you see what I'm saying. Okay, it's really powerful. But it's fun. It's fun because um, I didn't invent brain glue. I invented the term brain glue. But brain glue has been around for forever. But people use rhyme and people use alliteration. People use chiasmus. People use these tools. And so what I do is I introduce a tool and then I show you examples in real life and people start going, oh, I remember this. It has jokes. So they'll start laughing. Oh, you know, <laughs> I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. Oh, that's funny. You know, and they, they have these different jokes in it. And then it shows you how do you create this for yourself. And I have tons of people. I can't tell you how many people. I Rarely do we see this and say, and it's a fast book. It's a, I think it's 177 pages, but it, there's like even fewer than that because a lot of it is just giving you feedback and showing you where it came from, you know, because i got to show them where the ideas came from and stuff. But um, people say it's so good that they end up going back to it and reading it a second time and underlining all kinds of stuff. And it's got, I've got an audio book too. And so the audio book, they can, you can even go to Amazon and just listen to parts of the audiobook because Amazon lets you listen to parts of it for free and read parts of it for free. But it just blows people's minds. I mean, it's, it blows your mind because you start to realize, wait a second. I mean, I'll go back to O.J. Simpson. If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. We all saw it, or everybody who was watching on TV, we all saw it and we heard it. But we don't remember that that's, that's stuck to the brain. We knew it stuck to the brain because we'd remember it, but we didn't realize how powerful it was because it used rhyme and how it used rhyme. And so that's why as you go through the book, you start going, oh, people start telling me, I get contacting me all the time saying, can you help me change my, the title of my book? Or can you help me describe my product? In fact, I have this, this friend, Robin Thompson, who's on uh, TV in, uh, in uh, Detroit. She's on ABC. She's the personal finance coach. And so she created this um, program, this training program for women that make over $100,000 a year, but they look at their bank account and they realize they don't have a lot saved, okay? And it's very left brain, very logical. You know, you're focused on do this first, analyze this, do this, do this, do this. It's too much logic. If you throw too much logic at a person, they don't want to buy from you. And they don't, or they, it's hard to follow you. So I came up with this phrase and I said, remember, money isn't funny. Everybody laughs when they hear money. You just hear the word funny. Money isn't funny. But I trained her to say it over and over again. So she'll be talking about, so we want you to do this first. Do this and this and follow these texts. Remember, money isn't funny. And then she goes back to that. And because she's saying that, it's triggering parts of the brain that make people much more comfortable buying from her. It's just, it's really, you know, when you understand the power of brain glue, you know, it's just, it blows your, it's mind blowing, you know, especially because I use it on moms. I mean, I just, please don't ask me for more mom, moms to help you. But, you know, I mean, it's just, it's powerful. Now, how do you think that you've been, uh, I don't know the word for it, but do, but do you think that, that when people read your book, that they become more successful? 
Absolutely. I have tons of people who are reading the book. I mean, that's why I said our goal is a million millionaires. You know, people are making money like they didn't make before. And it's suddenly much easier. And they never expected it. You know, they never expected it. And it's just amazing. And so that's why, to me, it's just, it's great. I mean, obviously, we want to make money off the book. So buy the book, okay? But no, <laughs> even if you don't, I get people saying, you know, tons of people coming up to me or sending me emails. You can see even the, the um, it's won awards. It's actually up. It's a, it's a finalist as one of the best business books of the year uh, by, by Publishers Weekly, which is really pre- prestigious. So that's good. But no, take a look at the testimonials, what people are saying. I get people that even say, I am not involved in business at all. I have this one lady, I'm not involved in business. I'm a nurse. But now I realize that uh, when I want people to take drugs, certain drugs or medications, if I can use a brain glue tool, it makes it easier for to get them to do it. And she's like, whoa, you know, I get these types of comments as well as, you know, people in business who are saying, man, I can't believe, you know, you simplified how I, I make money in my business. And so, yeah, it's just, you know, that right. two lines, three lines, okay? Go ahead. Uh, switch your pitch if you want to get rich. These are three brain glue tools, okay? Yes, uh, phrases. Switch your pitch if you want to get rich. Uh, if you want to light the fire of desire in your buyer, then get you know try brain glue because it's going to really um, amaze you. And why brain glue? Because plain glue doesn't stick to the brain. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, now, now people listen to this, and if they buy your book. Um, sounds probably, you know, sounds probably listen, hey, if I buy this book, I won't be successful. Um, so, so if someone buys your book, can they get successful? Well, there's never a guarantee. So let me start there, okay? If you're selling a crappy product or whatever else, you know, I mean, you're not going to be successful. I know I worked for a company once was selling this software uh, comp- thing uh, for, uh, anyway, it's a software thing. And it didn't work, Okay. But let me give you a quick example, okay? So in Utah, there's a mom and her son, and uh, the mom is sitting in the bathroom on the toilet, and she came up with this idea of, like, putting a little stool on the toilet, uh, under the toilet, so your feet are on a little stool, so it changes the shape of your body, okay? And uh, they're they're thinking, well, they have no business experience, but they're thinking, like, so if we're going to sell this, you know, We'll spend a little bit of money and get somebody to manufacture it for us, and we'll start selling it. But we have to come up with a cool name. So let's see. Um, we're sitting on a toilet. Another word for toilet is potty. So we have to get you squatting. Squatty potty. Let's call it a squatty potty. These are two people who had no business experience within two years. In less than two years, catch this, they had $100 million of sales. They actually got on Shark Tank, and people were lining up to invest in them. They couldn't believe what a big moneymaker this is. Okay, and it's they had no business experience, but they every think of everybody who's out there listening to your podcast. Okay, you have ideas. If you have an idea for a business you want to try or a book you want to create or something, you know, you've got to have a powerful name for it. And when you come up with a powerful name, it helps. I'll give you another example, a couple of examples. Okay. All right. On on Shark Tank, I saw uh, Wally Amos, who's famous Amos. Okay, and he sells famous Amos cookies. Well, the problem was that he sold Famous Amos uh, to somebody else, including uh, the picture of him. So he can't use the picture of him. And he sold it for a million dollars. I think it was a million dollars. 
and they sold it to the big company like Pillsbury or something for $60 million, and Wally Amos didn't get a penny of that. But he got a million, but a million sounds like a lot. But if you're living well, you can go through a million dollars pretty fast, I guess. Okay? But so he went on Shark Tank, and he had this other product, but he couldn't use his face. So he showed it. It was a really good product. It was cookies again because he knows how to make cookies. But it wasn't. You know, it, they the the people on Shark Tank really wanted to help him because he's Wally Amos, he's a cool guy and everything else. But there's no hook on the product that he had, so he got off the show and nobody invested in him. And I felt bad, and I came up with this idea. I'm trying to reach Wally Amos with this, okay? Because you know he was frustrated because he couldn't make money as with famous Amos anymore. And so I said, okay, Amos, you can't use Amos, you can't use famous, but your name is Wally Amos. So why don't we come up with a product that uses Wally? Wally balls. Sounds like volleyballs. Okay, we'll make cookies in the shape of round balls. You know, it's nobody's got that, and we'll call it Wally balls. And we'll put a picture of the back of your head on the front of the of the uh, of the bag of uh, cookies. Okay, and we'll say, I can't show you my face. Read the back. To t- I'll tell you why. When you get to the back, you say, My name is. I'm Wally Amos. You probably know me because I made something famous. <laughs> But I'm not allowed to show my face, but I wanted you to know that I, I'm the ones that made these cookies. Okay? That would become massively successful. People would be laughing while they're buying Wally balls. I'd try it. Wouldn't you try Wally balls? Like these round little things? It sounds cool. And so you have this guy who has a bakery. He's opening up a bakery, and his name is, uh, I think, Jed Johnson or something like that. So he was going to call it Johnson's Bakery. And I said, no, don't do that. Call it um, Big Bob's Bakery. He said, oh, that's really cool. I said, or if you want to have more fun, call it Bad Boys Bakery. <laughs> he said, Bad Boys, I like that. So he's putting the sign up, Bad Boys Bakery. You know, it gets your attention. You think more people are going to buy from it? Yeah, absolutely. So I just, you know, when you come up with products or idea, you know, ideas to create or sell something or a book or whatever else, and if you can have a or, or a Facebook page like Mommy Needs Vodka, you know, there are simple ways that you could do it often without spending a nickel that you could actually suddenly have massive success with your business. So, so if I'm getting what you're saying is if you want to be successful, oh, you got to have a name kitchen thing to, you know, that jumps up to people. Absolutely. So men are from Mars, women are from Venus. It was a fabulous book, but it had a crappy name, men, women, and relationships. It wasn't crappy. It sounded good, but I mean, it was crappy because he just changed the title and suddenly he sold a gazillion copies. 50 million, you know? I mean, how many people come to the podcast? 50 million? No, not yet, you know? Just so, you know, how many, how many products or books are you selling, you know? I mean, he sold 50 million just because he changed the title? I mean, like, wow. And that's why we have to remember that if you have an idea or product or book or whatever else and you want to, you know, try to make money off it or you're trying to make money off it, then if you have the right title or right description, sales can explode, and BrainGlue will help you. And I'll just say one thing about BrainGlue, okay? All right, go ahead. The book used to be called Sell More with the Right Brain Marketing Strategy, which is left brain, which is logical, okay? It's a crappy name. It's not a – people first hated it because, you know, friends hated it because, you know, if you, you can't look up James Bond in, on Amazon because you're going to get 007. You're gonna, so you're not going to get me. And then the second thing is they couldn't remember the title of the book because it's too freaking long. So uh, I, when I met Jan, Jack Canfield, Jack Canfield told me, 
I'll give you quotes for my book. I'll give you testimonials because this is a fabulous book on one condition. You got to change the title from, you know, sell more of the marketing, uh, red brain marketing strategy to brain glue. The whole book's about brain glue. Call it brain glue. And he got me to change the title and it's just taken off like crazy. You know, people loved the book before, but you know, with the name brain glue, it's, you know, it just, it clicks. And so if you have a product or idea, you might consider changing a name if you can come up with a more powerful, emotional, grabbing title. And if you're just starting one or you're getting an idea, coming up with a cool name could really, really help you. Now, and where can people get your book? Amazon is the best place. It's also available in bookstores. But if you go to if you go to braingluebook.com, that'll take you right to the Amazon page, and you could just start. You know, Amazon lets you read some some of it and and listen to the audio part of the audio book. So right. braingluebook.com is an easy way to get there. All right, for sure. Now, and how are you on? Uh, now are now are you on uh, any social media? Yeah, LinkedIn, but uh, and I I know we're trying to set up more uh, social media. I have fun with that, but. We're really busy with doing like podcasts and like talking to people about our books. So, you know, I'm a bad boy because I promote you should be on social media and I'm not on as much as we can. But if you get the book, you can interact that way. There's lots of, you know, lots of fun with that. Absolutely. All right, James, I think we've reached the end of the podcast. And um, before I let you go, and do you get any closing uh, thoughts? Yeah, have fun. You know, I saw this guy who had a t-shirt and said, life sucks and then you die. No, that's a terrible T-shirt, although I can think of some people I know that can use that T-shirt. But no, you've got to have fun. I mean, life is fun. This is not practice. This is real life. And if you can start having fun, the more fun you have, the more successful you can be also. So, yeah, have fun. Really enjoy things. Enjoy life. All right, there you go. So, once again, James, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Jacob, for having me. Oh, yeah, of course, it's my pleasure. All right, uh, that does it for this week of Conversations with Jacob. Tune in next week for another episode. So until then, God bless, and we'll catch you right here on the next episode of Conversations with Jacob.